Welcome to the Daughters Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter S.T. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. I'm Sister Orianne Pietra Renee. And today we are blessed to have with us Sister Christina. Yay, we're so excited you're here with us today, sister. Me too. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Sure. Again, I'm Sister Christina Galema from Toronto. I'm actually Filipino-Canadian. My family moved to Toronto in 2001, I think. And um, that's where I met the sisters in Toronto. Um, I used to be a web developer, and now I'm the IT manager for the Daughters of St. Paul. In the U.S. Good and one. Canada. Thank and you. she saves our heinies all the time yep. with all the tech stuff. <laughs> so, Sister Oriane, you said that you found a fun Instagram reel that might kind of go along with our topic today. I did. Okay. So the Instagram reel I found the other day was hilarious. It was by this guy who had just gotten married. So he was reflecting on something that had gone wrong at his wedding. And um, he had gotten married in a church, and he said that they had requested this absolutely beautiful verse. It's 1 John 4.18, which is that verse, there is no fear in love. Mm -hmm. And that like really looking at that, you know, love of God. So he had requested that, I guess they both had, um, to be read at the wedding. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if the person like didn't practice or misread the thing. I don't know. But they went up there and they opened to John 4.18, not 1 John (laughs) 4.18. And the verse of... John 4, 18, for this wedding is, you are right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. Oh, no. (laughs) He, like, recorded this memory over, like, this audio clip of, I knew exactly what to do, but I didn't know what to do. (laughs) It was so funny. Oh, man. And this is one of the perks of having a liturgical church, right? Yeah. <laughs> True enough. There's a, a set, set readings and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> readings to choose from. Oh, man. So it, it is very to confuse John and First John. Oh, absolutely. Ask. It was just like this perfect accident. Like, <laughs> it was like, this one ain't your husband. Whoops. <laughs> oh, no. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, it sounds like at least he had a good sense of humor about it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Okay, so Sister Christina, you picked a passage for us to pray with today. And would you mind reading the passage for us? And then maybe just telling us like a little bit about um, like the first time it popped out to you. Sure thing. So this verse is from Ezekiel thirty-three eleven. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked man, but rather in his conversion that he might live. I love it. That's like such an interesting verse to pick, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not like something you see on bumper stickers or (laughs) on billboards or something. Mm -hmm. So when was the first time that like really popped out to you? So I think it was over the course of um, multiple lengths, um, because when I went to search for it, I couldn't really find it um, like in the, the specific translation in the Bible. 
So I found it in the Gospel Acclamation for the fifth Monday of Lent. Um, so it must have been one of those like seeds that fell on the path and then <laughs> rocky ground among thorns and then finally <laughs> it made it into the good soil. Um, so over the years, um, it has taken root and um, I still had to search for the citation every time it would pop up in my head. So hopefully now it will stick. Yeah. It's from Ezekiel 33, 11. Um, I think the reason why it really struck me um, is that God is speaking first person. Mm. Um, because I also like, uh, for God so loved the world, which is from John, John 316. Um, but that kind of makes me feel like God is a little bit far away, you know, mm -hmm. like for God so loved the world. But this mm -hmm. is actually him speaking directly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so in the gospel acclamation, it also um, has that little quote. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked man, says the Lord, as if it's a quote. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like reading it or hearing it without that so that God is the one speaking to me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah, I was really intrigued. Um, when I sat down to pray with this, I was just really kind of like, huh, this is not something I would have. This is what's, this is one of the things I love about this series yeah. is that it's getting me to sit down and to pray with passages I probably wouldn't have done by myself, you know? Um, so just looking at that and, and even um, tying it a little bit together with, uh, you know, we're we're recording this during Lent. It's going to, you know, drop toward the middle of Lent, this mm -hmm. this particular episode. So just thinking about, like, um, the passage from from Luke when Jesus talks about taking up your cross and following him. And he, and he ends with, what profit is there for a man to gain the whole world and to lose or forfeit himself? And... I was just thinking like the sadness almost in Jesus voice when he mm. says that, like, mm -hmm. like it's so sad that this would happen. Like I would so much rather that you pick up your cross and that you follow me and that you join me where I am. And like last week we were talking about um, that where I am there, you also may be, you know, and like, and like here God is saying like, I don't, I don't want to lose anyone, you know, mm -hmm. um, and just kind of like that little bit of sadness that kind of, kind of seeps through. Yeah. I was really touched by. Yeah. And I think it's such a natural response for us when we when we see, like, the Lord uses the term here, wicked, like, I take no pleasure in the death of a wicked man. It's so natural for us to look at someone who truly is doing really horrible things or that we would associate with, like, you know, being a bad person, quote unquote, um, or a wicked person or just someone who's super power hungry or, or whatever their fault is that's really shining through above all their other characteristics or that they've let take over and say, like, where is your place in this world? Like, where is your place in this life? It would be easier if you weren't here. It would just be easier. Mm -hmm. And the Lord says, that would not give me any pleasure. That is not how I desire to bring about peace or fulfillment. Like, my greatest joy and my greatest hope and longing is for that person to convert and come to me and have a life to like live, you know, and really connect with other people. And I was I was so struck by the by the parallel between this verse and um, something Jesus says in in John 
10, chapter 10. Um, and he says, the full verse is, a thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. So that idea of like death and destruction. But he says, I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Mm. And this idea of like life to the full, like this isn't mm-hmm. just like, you know, I'm enjoying my life. I'm getting something good out of it. But no, like you are fully, fully alive and thriving. Mm-hmm. And that is his joy. That's why he came. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son mm. as you were sharing that. Um, and I think the other thing that um, strikes me in this passage is I, I remember kind of imagining myself um in that parable, you know, and hearing the father in that parable, um, imagining that father in that parable saying this, mm-hmm. you know, I take no pleasure in um, the death of your brother or that your brother be lost, but that he come back home. Like in mm-hmm. a sense, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a parallel. Um, and as I prayed with that, um, it also helped me to see that it's the same message, um, whether I am the prodigal son or the older brother, mm. um, it applies to both. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I noticed too was just the context of this passage, <clears throat> that um, that it's a, a beautiful like expression of God's mercy, but it's in the midst of basically telling the prophets and the religious leaders, like, it's your job to tell them this. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't tell them this, that's on you, my friend, yes. you know? And so like, that's all of us as believers mm-hmm. yeah. and as people called to mission, like it's on us if people don't hear that message because mm-hmm. God's given it to us to give to them. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's just like a whole other angle to this. It's so rich. It really is. And um, in within context, I also appreciated that it talks about um, the fact that we could go both ways. Like today mm-hmm. we may be, um, wicked, and then we convert, and after we have converted, we don't know what we're going to do. So it could be wicked again. So it's it's on us to remind each other to stay on the course mm-hmm. on that continual conversion, um, and it's also on others to correct us in a sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think it's it, it can be easy for us to kind of fall into that pitfall of, you know, I've I've been changed, I've come to Christ, so I'm done. Like, that's it. I'm perfect. No, well, not I'm perfect, but like, Ta-da! yeah, like that's it. I'm, I'm linked. I'm linked in. But, but the reality, and we saw this even through the life of the apostles, and Judas is a prime example of this, although he has a very like tragic end to his story. Peter maybe is a better example of the full arc of it. But you can be called and changed and brought to Jesus and go through so much with him and be so loyal and be given the keys to the kingdom and fail. Mm-hmm. And do the thing that is like hardest and most hurtful. And Jesus kind of called Peter out on it too. Like, you will betray me. He doesn't call it like, well, you'll freak out and run away. Like he's, <laughs> he just straight up calls it for what it is. Like you yeah. will betray me. Yeah. But he also reminds him that he has an opportunity to come back. It's it's not something that has to cut us off forever. It's not something that we need to let drag us down and give more power to that betrayal than we're than we're allowing God to have, you know? And it's so beautiful that God gives us that opportunity within a Christian community to live those cycles of of falling and helping each other up and mm-hmm. and falling and coming back to God who takes no pleasure in in us, you know, 
cutting ourselves off in a sense mm-hmm. um, from him in shame or or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think um, I'll have to find an image and link to it in the show notes. But there was a, a talk that somebody was giving once and, and he was talking about just kind of like the way that people see God. Mm-hmm. And he was um, showing this detail of one of Michelangelo's paintings. Um, I'm pretty sure it's from the Sistine Chapel of God. And he looks very angry and intense, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you zoom out from it, it's actually God in the action of creation. So it's not that he's angry. He's just like hardcore. He's like super into it, you know? (laughs) Like, so when you zoom out and you see the full context, you see Mm -hmm. that he's not been portrayed as this incredibly fiery angry god but that is how that image is used all over the internet Mm. like blog posts on the anger of god Mm -hmm. use this image but if Mm -hmm. you zoom out from it he's in the act of creation he's not in the act of destruction right you know and and it's just like so fascinating to me that people can fixate on like these um this misunderstanding of who god is and like and also in doing that, it's like we misunderstand who we are right? because like I see my faults, I see my failures, I see the moments when I fall and I define myself by them mm-hmm. rather than saying, okay, so now I go to confession, now I get into right relationship with God and then I pick up and I start going again because that's what he wants. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to condemn me. He doesn't want me to be separated off from him. You know, um, and, yeah. and, and and that stems just so much from a misunderstanding of who God is, which results in a misunderstanding of who we ourselves are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, that's reminding me of the t- one of the times that I actually sought out this verse um, was to write it on the back of a card for my um, professor. Mm. Um, and she was teaching the Torah, mm. which is the f- first five books and talked about the Ten Commandments and how really um, I used to think of it or as God the Father as, you know, here are the rules, you know, and you you must follow it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that class helped me to understand that it's because God wants us to have life in abundance, as you were saying, Storian. And I think that's when I started to realize I still, at that point, already a a sister, um, had this kind of like underlying misconception of who God the Father is to me, mm-hmm. um, that maybe I'm still, you know, carrying around um, a burden of guilt, um, and um, and maybe still having resentment because I haven't really embraced the fact that this is what God really desires. It's amazing for me to see in the Old Testament too, like how God constantly. In a sense, even the way that we speak about him, it's easy to project our own reality of anger onto the anger of the Lord. Mm. And it's interesting because we, in the Old Testament, we do describe the Lord as angry. And even in the New Testament, we see Jesus getting frustrated. We see him flipping tables. (laughs) He's so mad. But like at the same time, it's not an anger that kills. It's not Mm -hmm. an anger that kills. The first time we see an anger that kills is actually with Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. That is the first time we're introduced to the reality that quote unquote anger kills. And that is a fallen anger. That is not the anger of the Lord. The anger of the Lord is something that actually reaches out to us and calls us to conversion, which is kind of the context of of this particular passage when the Lord is like, guys, (laughs) stop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and. Yes, I'm I'm not thrilled with you guys, but that anger that I have is not 
condemning you to death. That is not what I'm doing. I'm asking you to come back. And I think Hosea also is a book that is so beautiful in Mm -hmm. grappling with that reality of how we can really, you know, do things that are absolutely awful. And the Lord calls us back so that we can have a full life and a full communion with him. And I love in the book of Hosea how the Lord basically asks Hosea, who's a real guy, to marry someone who is super unfaithful and as a sign. And Hosea does it. And his whole life becomes a sign of how God kind of woos back his people. Mm-hmm. And I love that passage in Hosea where he says, I will I will call you to the desert. I will allure you to the desert. And there I will speak to your heart. Yeah. Like when everything, when everything is cleared away, all the noise is cleared away, all the stuff and the junk is cleared away, like we can talk and you can come back to me and we can have a life mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's really beautiful. And there's another passage in Hosea, too, where he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Yes. Right? And, like, I don't know. There's something about that that I feel a need to turn it around and apply it to myself as well. Mm-hmm. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Like, And, and Jesus quotes that he to the mm-hmm. Pharisees mm-hmm. twice, at least. Yeah. yeah. I almost picked that one. Um, <laughs> but I think... So the reason why this struck me more, again, is that, um, well, one, because it's new, but also, Storian, when you were talking about Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. um, when Cain, when God gave Cain his punishment, I think he says something about your punishment is so heavy for me, or, you know, it's mm-hmm. so hard to bear. Um, if I go out there, people are just going to kill me. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good paraphrase. And, yeah. and God is like, no, I will... Um, almost telling Cain, I will protect you mm-hmm. so that no one will kill you. And I think when I read this, it kind of brought me back to that because I'm like, why? You know, why is God protecting Cain after he killed his brother? Um, but this just really speaks of God's desire. Um, again, it's I think it because it revealed God's heart to me um, and, you know, how Jesus is the fullness, um, the f- the full revelation of this passage, in a sense, is him actually mm-hmm. yeah. coming, living, dying, and rising. One of one of the first one of the first images that popped into my head as I was praying with this too was actually just the image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Mm. You know the uh, the the fire of love, the being pierced by the spear, the mm. the crown of thorns, like his desire to give it to us, his desire. Uh, for us to know the love that it contains, but also, you know, the way he said to to St. Margaret Mary, like, behold this heart that loves so much and is so little loved, you know, mm-hmm. like the the longing to kind of return his love as mm-hmm. much as I can. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he can love infinitely and mm-hmm. I am finite, but um but I can give what get what I can give, you know, and uh, and just that desire to do that and the desire, like, like, yeah, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And um, also there's Psalm 51, my sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit, mm-hmm. a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not spurn. Like the idea that like whatever it is that that I've done that um, that maybe it makes me feel separated from God or maybe maybe in fact does separate me from God. Like it's that contrite heart. It's that that desire to be with him, that um, that conversion. The first words that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of Mark is repent and believe in the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. So that idea of like the repentance 
and the belief that this is good news and that he comes for me. Like, it's just such a beautiful invitation. It's an amazing invitation for us. And it's an amazing invitation for us to extend to mm-hmm. with our lives to others. Yes. And honestly, I mean, I guess it depends on your experience and what's going on. But sometimes that, at least for me, that can be the hardest part is accepting it for myself is not easy even. But like to think of how do I show someone else that this is a reality that they're invited to? How do I show that with my life in a way that witnesses that it's actually true, mm-hmm. you know? Um and it's it's it can be really hard, especially when you're faced with someone who you'd much rather slap than invite <laughs> into a relationship with God, you know? Like so how in those moments where you're facing something that's truly maybe even you could put the label evil on it, but at yes. least you could put the label bad, mm-hmm. how do you invite someone in a way that like does protect your boundaries and and like maintains the respect you have for yourself and yet does so in a way that leaves some ground of encounter possible for that person, or at least lets them know that there does exist some ground of encounter possible for them with this God who has no desire for their death, but for their life. And that sacred heart mm-hmm. beats for them mm-hmm. yes. and hurts for them and is full of joy for them in their conversion. Like, how do you show that to that person? Or if you can't show it because you, you, you know, for whatever reason, how do you pray it for them mm-hmm. when you don't want to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. And um, it is something that I remember struggling with. And I think, so what this verse is helping me to also realize is how um, how big, infinite, really, God's heart is and how finite we are, as you said, Sister Benedicta. And I think that moment that I was able to give to the Lord um whatever wound that I found, like really hard to forgive this person, um, is finally when I surrendered to the Lord saying, well, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. You can forgive this person for me, in me, sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do it because I can't. Um, And I think my prayer as I pray with this verse is that my desire can grow to be similar Mm -hmm. to God's desire. Um, because I can't say that it's there right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so real, and and that's something about the beauty of Christ really wanting to dwell in us and with us, and His invitation to abide in Him is that like we have, especially as as Pauline sisters, as daughters of Saint Paul, we have this um, thing from Paul that we we say over and over again that that Christ may live in me, and that kind of entails like that his heart may love in me, right? Mm-hmm. So if if his heart is being built, built in us and our our heart is really coming into communion with his and his heart is loving in our heart, that really does expand our own finite mm-hmm. little heart. I always think of the Grinch, <laughs> you know, and the, <laughs> how the Grinch sold Christmas, how his heart like is however well, many times too small and then it starts like <laughs> expanding and it breaks the chart. That is such a beautiful reflection of what it means for Christ's heart to be built within ours, to grow within our, ours. And he really does like expand the capacity that we have to love. And he puts that ability to forgive within us because it's really his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's almost an, like when you experience it, there is almost that actual like physical sensation yeah. right of like your heart expanding like yes. like the, the idea of like my heart exploding over something that's a real physical sensation mm-hmm. that can come with those moments of grace when you're able to really feel that for a person mm-hmm. yeah 
And we can't we can't discount that because I think sometimes we we look at like mystics and saints and we're like, wow, that was very exceptional. That will never happen to me. (laughs) And to some extent, that's very true. Like most of us will never have. And thank God. Yeah. (laughs) I would not like for those things to happen to me. I would freak out if a lot of those things happen to me. (laughs) However, like we do, we are made both body and soul. Mm -hmm. And when we have those sensations of our heart really like expanding or bursting for love of someone or even for like you know, feeling somebody's pain, in a sense, that is really a mystical experience. God is allowing us a physical understanding of a spiritual reality that he's making real in us. Mm-hmm. And that's something to really like treasure and to see mm-hmm. him like acting in our whole person. Oh, yeah. And one thing too, I, I, um, I'm a huge JP2 fan. Like just about everything he ever wrote is my favorite Mm -hmm. thing. So I'll just like read it and I'll be like, this is my favorite thing. And then I'll turn to the next thing and say, no, but this is my favorite thing. (laughs) Um, So as I was praying with this and really kind of reflecting on on the mercy of God, and I was especially thinking of the mercy of Jesus and the sacred heart, um, I opened up his encyclical on uh, Divisa misericordia, right? So the richness and his he's rich in mercy mm. Um, mm. is is the the encyclical. It's on God's mercy, and I found this passage that I was looking for, but it surprised me because I was thinking about the mercy of Jesus and on the sacred sacred heart. But the passage that I was looking for was not exactly as I remembered it. It says, "Conversion to God always consists in discovering His mercy." That is, in discovering that love which is patient and kind as only the creator and father can be. Mm-hmm. It's the mercy of the father that he's mm-hmm. referring to there. And I think sometimes we forget like how loving and tender the yes. father is. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, especially for some people who maybe have had different relationships with their father than, than what would be mm-hmm. ideal, mm-hmm. like that's harder to remember. But we have such a good father who desires for our our well-being and and that's who's speaking in this passage right exactly Mm -hmm. his desire is Mm -hmm. for us to be alive and there was another passage i can't remember exactly where it was but um where it talks about the the passion of jesus was first of all a gift of the father because first of all the father gave the son Mm -hmm. and then the son participated in the gift Mm-hmm. Right. So like, first of all, all of that comes from the father. And that's something that I know that my heart needs to be converted to a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But every time one of these passages kind of pops up, it's like, OK, yes. OK, father. <laughs> yes, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? One of the images that is coming to mind is the burning bush. Um, because didn't Moses just kill someone before that happened? Or I mean, not just he like yesterday, but someone, he had yeah. killed someone. It was someone. a couple decades, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in go. the recent past, in terms of But eternity. I think it was like 10 words ago or something yes. in the passage, yeah. <laughs> right. So I feel like this also, to me at least, um, is kind of like a burning bush for me. Like it's the heart of God burning his presence. Um, and I just have to take off my shoes every time... Um, you know, I'm either the younger brother, the prodigal son, or the older brother, because both of them have to, their hearts both have to convert in a sense. Mm-hmm. One had received a father's mercy and the other one was resenting the, the younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the consuming fire of God's love is so real, I think, in this passage um, that I often have to just like sit there um, again with my shoes off and just bow. Yeah, it's such it's such an enveloping, overwhelming 
thing. And it, I, I think something I find so beautiful about it is that there's this there's this infinite greatness about it, and there's this like quiet intimacy about it um, that reaches like an entire people and just you. You know, mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. I a couple lengths ago, um, I I did for my kind of my Lenten program, so to speak. I followed this um, series of newsletters that were just sent to my email um, from a from a French singer who had done like a book, and it was it was in preparation for the release of his book, and it was called in French it was called "Ce que j'ai découvert sur le père," which is what I what I've discovered about the father, and the whole book was breaking down the fatherhood of God because. The author was saying, like, we've, so many of us have a broken understanding of fatherhood just because of our own experiences. And we talk about Jesus the Son, and we talk about, like, the action of the Holy Spirit. But it's easier of, it's easier for us to kind of keep the Father at a distance and mm-hmm. not have to really deal with our own broken understanding of fatherhood. And he just, he just, like, breaks down and he had a very hard experience with his own father. So he broke down all of the barriers and wounds that he had and in a sense allowed you to do the same. And one of the stories that he told was um, one of his friends was a missionary in this little area somewhere in, in like the deep jungle. I don't know where they were. And um, the local missionaries, like they belonged to this particular um like community, they were bringing him over so that they could meet each other, and they were bringing him by boat down this river. And there were there was a horrible storm on the river. The rapids were crazy, and he thought he was going to die. He said it was the first time in his life he ever thought he was actually going to die. And in the front of the boat, there was this little boy playing jacks. He was like throwing <laughs> throwing them up, and like <laughs> and he thinks he's going to die. Like the boat's going to flip any second, and he yells at him like, "Aren't you scared? Like, are you insane? What's wrong with you? Hold on to something." And the little boy looks at him. And he says, no, my dad's steering. Wow. Mm. And the guy was just wrecked by that. I mean, once he realized they weren't going to die, like after it, then he really processed that response. Like the storm was really bad. And that kid had an insane amount of trust in Mm. his father. And like that kind of love that they must have had as a a relationship is so indicative of like when we're going through these hard times and faced with hard things, that's the kind of love of the father that that is for us, that's beating for us. And that's the kind of love we can trust in in any storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost feel like, and it's taken me literally decades to get to this point, but I almost feel like the fact that I do have a difficult relationship and a difficult history with my father mm-hmm. has given me almost an advantage in the spiritual life because mm-hmm. I'm able to see by way of contrast. Whereas if I had had a really beautiful and like, um, tender and loving and like constantly kind of embraced and wonderful relationship mm-hmm. with my father, I might be more inclined to kind of just keep God the Father in that space. Right. You know, to keep him kind of equivalent to that. And I kind of, I kind of just in the past year or so have really been starting to feel like maybe, maybe it's God's gift to me that I have this contrast to be able to hold up like, um, you know, but but God, my father is like this, you know, and I know what it's like to not have that. And I yeah. know just kind of um, like what my heart yearns for. Like I maybe have a little bit more uh, am in touch with that than I would otherwise be. And this is not to say that like everybody's experience would be that way. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, one way or the other, like you can have a wonderful relationship and still very much have an understanding of who God the father is. But for me personally and my inclinations, I have a feeling that I would kind of 
I like to put things in boxes. And <laughs> I have a feeling I would have put God in this box. And now he's really showing me kind of by way of contrast, by way of my desires, by way of the experience of lacking things in certain places, that that's where he wants to fill. And that's where I need to learn to let him in. And notice I said learn, not like keep doing it or, you know, do it better, but like actually learn to do it in the first place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm being really real there, you mm-hmm. know, but like there's just something really beautiful there that um, that he works with all of it. And yeah. so like this this little boy knowing that his father is is steering the ship and so he's in safe hands, you know, um, and and those of us who have different relationships like. God can work with all of it. And it's so cool. Yeah. Like he's so creative. Like obviously he's the creator, but (laughs) he's so creative in how Mm -hmm. he does that. And he's also so tender and patient in Mm -hmm. in his approach to it. It's reminding me of a story from my childhood. (laughs) I kind of want to share. So when I was maybe six or seven, um, I'm the oldest of four. So at, at that point, I think there were three of us. Um, and I was mean to my younger sister, and it's, she's two years younger than me. Um, so I would just make her cry because I would tease her all the time. And so my parents would always be mad at me. Um, and I remember this kind of turning point in my childhood where I didn't want to be mean anymore. Mm. Um, and I remember struggling with it because it's what I was used to. <laughs> <laughs> So um, my parents were home and suddenly my sister cries and I didn't know, I didn't do anything. I didn't know why she was crying. But both of them went to me and scolded me and like, what did you do again? Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So I I ran to my room crying because I'm like, I didn't, I really didn't do anything. And I was just crying there. And I think I must have uttered in the depths of my heart, I wish I had an older brother. Um, and I heard someone tell me, I can be your older brother. And I, I knew it was Jesus. Um, but at the same time, like you said, I think that's when I understood that God is God's love and mercy and understanding is more than my parents because mm. um, he sees what my parents can't see when they're not looking. <laughs> what did older brother mean to you in that moment? Um... I think I wanted someone else to blame. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is not what I thought you were going to say. That is awesome. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, like probably someone who could understand me. I don't know. But that I think that's, too, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, why is it always me? I, you know, I'm the mean one and I'm always, it's always my fault, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's just being real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Having been in community with you for a couple of years now, sister, like, I would never be like, oh, yeah, that's the mean one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one over there, that's the mean one. So, oh, that's fun. Watch out. (laughs) For anyone who's listening, Sister Christina is one of the sweetest people we know. Amen. Which is why we find this so funny. Well, sisters, I wonder if maybe it would be a good time to to just share like one takeaway, one something that maybe we want to go away and pray with uh, from our conversation. I think for me, my takeaway would be really allowing the father to, I guess, like letting his love in in a deeper way, in a more full way um, and being able to share the abundance of life that comes with that 
to other people. I think I'm going to go away wanting to pray a little bit more with um, asking God to show me a little bit more of who he is and kind of reducing my own assumptions that I know who he is and that I can put him in some kind of box and, and just a reminder that God is so totally other and his ways are not our ways. And uh, I don't think like he does, but I need to learn to think a little bit more like he does. Um, yeah, I'm just feeling an invitation there. I think for me, it's um, maybe praying with that kid in the boat. Mm. Um, you know, that kind of confidence and trust in God the Father, um, especially especially during this Lent, um, because I, I just thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful image for me to pray with. So I kind of thought maybe we could close with um, one of the prayers that our founder wrote. Uh, we have a chaplet that we pray every first Friday to the Sacred Heart, written by our founder. And I thought maybe we could just pray like one passage from that. So let's use that for our closing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Divine Master, I thank and bless your most meek heart, which led you to give your life for me. Your blood, your wounds, the scourges, the thorns, the cross, your bowed head, tell my heart. No one loves more than he who gives his life for the loved one. The shepherd died to give life to the sheep. I too want to spend my life for you. Grant that you may always, everywhere, and in all things dispose of me for your greater glory, and that I may always repeat, your will be done. Inflame my heart with holy love for you and for souls. Sweetheart of my Jesus, Make, make me, me love, love you more and more. Mary, Queen of Apostles, pray for us. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. From all sin, deliver us, O Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sister Christina, for yeah, this fantastic verse and this, and this conversation. And uh, we're praying for all of you, our listeners, and we'll see you next time. God, God bless. bless. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.